Welcome on this Easter weekend to Life Church. I am so excited and delighted that you have decided to join us today and to be a part of what's happening. Whether you're joining us online or you're at one of our four campuses, we are honored that you're with us today. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 13. John chapter 13, I'm going to get there in just a minute. We have been in a series called Motley Crew, which is about the disciples. And we've been looking at how, uh, well, what a Motley Crew the disciples really were, how they were men from all different diverse backgrounds, uh, from different uh, ideologies. Um, they were all Jews. They, they all loved God, but, but they all had different angles and came from different places and different places in their, in their faith journey. Yet Jesus chose them. And we know in the end, he'll use them to release them to go change the world. And that's what they'll do. Today, we kind of conclude that series and, and we're concluding it on a disciple that I've never preached on on Easter, Judas. This is my 19th Easter sermon that I've done here at Life Church, And I've never preached about Judas in this way. See, Judas is very interesting to me because anytime you Google, you look up Wikipedia, anything on Judas, it's synonymous with traitor. I mean, even in the secular world, a, a Judas is a traitor. And, and it, what's interesting to me is that Judas was called by Jesus. Judas walked and lived and did life with Jesus, just like the other disciples. Yet in the end, he, he rejects Christ. He walks away from, he betrays him. And I've been processing this on why. Uh, why uh, would Jesus, being fully God, knowing that Judas would betray him, yet he chose him, yet he invested in him, yet he brought him into the 12. We know that there were other people around Jesus. I mean, there, there were dozens beyond the 12 that were around him. Uh, there were the 70 that Jesus sent out. There, there's 120 that's in the upper room when Jesus has, has ascended to the right hand of the Father after the resurrection. And, and yet Jesus chose Judas. He chose someone who would reject him. He chose someone who would betray him. And the only way I can reconcile this at this point is grace. Grace, that even though we may reject him, he still calls us, he still loves us, he still desires relationship with us. But we're not rock'em, sock'em robots. God doesn't control you and I from a cosmic heavenly joystick. We're not some avatar on a screen. Rather, we have free moral will and choice. And this is what we see in the life of Judas. Check this out in John chapter 13, starting in verse 26. And Jesus answered, It is one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Now they're at the Last Supper here. And then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. And as soon as Jesus, excuse me, Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. So Jesus told him, what you are about to do, do quickly. Jesus knew he was going to betray him. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the festival or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. 
Now I want to remind you that Judas is one of the 12 disciples. When you look at the person of Judas, it's very easy for us because we know the end of it just to kind of dismiss him as he's a traitor, he's a betrayer, he's an outsider. No, no, no. He was, Judas heard the words, come follow me and I will make you, just like the other 11 did. Judas was there on the Sermon on the Mount. Judas was there when, when Jesus healed the sick. Judas, Judas was there when, when Jesus makes his way into, into the um, into Jerusalem uh, on that Palm Sunday weekend that we would celebrate. Judas was there at the Last Supper. That's where this just took place. Judas was one of the twelve. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 2, says it this way. These are the names of the twelve apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Jesus chose Judas. We see it in John's gospel that Judas was the treasurer of the disciples. It's interesting that, that Jesus allows him this position when ultimately, whether it's greed or whatever rejection or, or whatever it is, that it's actually money that Judas betrays Jesus over, 30 pieces of silver. Yet Judas is the treasurer. He's the one that was taking care of the money of the disciples. Like others, Judas left everything to follow Jesus. Like the others, Judas was given power and authority when Jesus sent them out. Like others, though, Judas was also flawed. And the Bible doesn't state why Judas betrayed Jesus. Maybe it was habits with the money bag that, that, that equated it, greediness. It's possible that he might have been troubled by Jesus' insistence that he would die. At that point in time, many were looking for the Messiah. They wanted him to be a strong political leader. But Jesus uh, maybe wasn't what he expected him to be. The Bible also explicitly states, we just read it in John's gospel, that Satan was involved in Judas' actions. And to what extent and to how all of that works, I'm not completely sure. Except we see that Judas walks away and rejects the bread. And then... Satan, the Bible says, enters into his heart. And from there, the betrayal takes place. But he was one of the 12. He was chosen. Jesus invested in him. Second is that Judas had every opportunity to trust Jesus. I think this is interesting because Judas had every opportunity to trust Jesus. In our world in which we live in, I've heard people say before, well, if I could have just been there, if I could have just seen Jesus, if I could have just touched him, if he could have touched me, if I would have been there for the cross, if I would have seen the resurrection, if I would have, I would never reject him. I would never turn my back on him. I would never sin. And the truth of the matter is, is that all of these disciples are flawed. And Judas had every opportunity. And even in that, even though he has that opportunity, he finds himself in a place where he rejects him. Think about this, his eyes, he saw the clearest evidence. He got to see the miracles, the signs and the wonders. His ears, he heard the very best teaching. He heard all the teaching of Jesus. He hears all of this. It's not secondhand. It's not something he's reading like you and I. He heard Jesus speak. 
He's there in the synagogue with him. He's there when he turns over the tables. He's there when he confronts a religious elect. He's there in all of these moments. And his feet, he followed Jesus, the greatest example. Day in, day out. He had every opportunity to trust Jesus. But here's what happens. Judas's secret sin became his fatal flaw. His secret sin became his fatal flaw. Look at Matthew's gospel, chapter 26, starting in verse 14. Then one of the twelve, the one called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests and asked, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him, speaking of Jesus, over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. And from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him Jesus over. Before Judas ever makes a public rejection of the body of Christ and walks away from the Last Supper, walks away from the table of communion, he's already gone in his own heart and plotted the sin in which he is going to commit. Sin always starts in the heart. Before it's ever an action, it starts in the heart. It always comes from the heart. That's the reason why the Bible is so clear about guard your heart. Above all things, guard your heart because out of your heart flows the issues of life. So Judas, whatever it was, Whatever, wherever he diverted, we don't completely know all of this. But what we see is, is that, and what we know is, is that human nature, and what the Bible tells us is that sin begins in the heart, then it comes to an action. And we see that it's in his heart. And so he goes to the chief priests. He goes to the religious leaders of the day. And, and again, he would have been there when Jesus would have confronted them. He would have been there when, when, when Jesus left them dumbfounded. He would have been there when Jesus sat at their table and ate at their table. And yet Judas goes back to them and says, hey, um, what, what, what do you want? What, what kind of deal can we make? It was already sin that was in his heart. And then he began to plot a plan. And then that night that we just read in, in John's gospel, at the very beginning of the message, when Jesus says, whatever you're gonna go do, do it now. And he leaves the table, he leaves the bread and he goes. That's when he commits the sin. Unconfessed, no one knows. No one has any idea. No one's communicating anything. But in that moment, it becomes revealed. Why am I talking about this? Because unconfessed sin is an open door for the enemy of your soul and my soul. How did Satan enter in? Satan doesn't enter in unless you allow him in, unless your actions allow him in. He, he, he doesn't come in. God protects you. And, 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 and where Jesus is in your heart, the enemy of your soul can't be in your heart. Uh, Satan, Satan will never be able to enter into the life of someone who is covered by the blood of Jesus Christ, someone who's a follower of Jesus Christ, someone who's a fully devoted follower of Jesus. But when you allow sin in, because again, it's your life, it's your choice. God is not controlling you or making you do anything. It's your choice, it's your life. And when you allow sin into your heart and then you begin to act upon that sin, it's that unconfessed internal sin that it becomes very external. And in that moment, you begin to reject even the very things that everybody else thought you believed. That's what happened with Judas. 
His secret sin, whether it was greediness, whether Jesus didn't meet his needs or expectations the way he thought, whether it was his own selfishness, whether it was his temporal mindset that he couldn't quite buy into, I don't know. We don't completely know all of that. We just know that it was entered into his heart. There was sin that was there because he goes and makes a deal with the devil, with, with, with the religious leaders of the day. And then, when, and then he rejects the body of Christ as they're at the communion table, they're at the Last Supper, and he walks away, and then he goes and commits the very sin. But it all began with secret sin. What sin do you have today? Have you asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart and come into your life and be your Lord and your Savior? If you haven't, in a couple of minutes, you're going to have an opportunity. But I ask you to examine your heart just for a moment. What's there? What's going on? Maybe you're a follower of Jesus Christ, but you've allowed, you've invited, you've opened the door, you've made room in your heart for sin. Can I just tell you that, again, we all struggle with things. And I'm not talking necessarily about struggle, but I'm talking about when you just kind of go, well, that's just the way it is. I'm just this way. I'm never going to change. God may save me and I go to heaven, but, but this is just going to be, I'm just going to have this sin or I'm okay with this. Or here's the other thing that I'm noticing in our world today. We rationalize sin because I know someone who says that they're a Christian, but they live this lifestyle. It must be okay because they look okay. Well, I didn't ask you what your experience is. What does God's word say? God's word says that disobedience to his word is sin. Again, we don't get to write the book. We don't get editorial privilege. I would love not to have to do everything the Bible says. There are things that, that I, I would just be better off or it would be much easier on me. Let's just say that. Or I could it make my preaching load a little bit easier if, we didn't, if I didn't have to deal with all. But the truth of the matter is, is that it's diametrically opposed to God's word. And it doesn't matter if there's someone out there that I know that says they're okay. What does God's word say? What does his word say? What does his word say? Sin. Examine your own heart just for a moment. Because the last thing I want to say before we end today is that grace is what rescues us from the fate of Judas. Grace is what rescues you and I from the fate of Judas. But for the grace of God go I. Before you condemn Judas, before you go, there's no way I would have done that to Jesus. There's no way I would have. Really? Have you betrayed him? Have you said, God, I give you my heart, I give you everything I have, and I love you and all this, but yet then you go and you do the exact opposite of what he tells you to do? Have you fallen short of what his expectations are for your life? Sure. Before we're too hard on Judas, we have to understand, except but by the grace of God go I. Judas had, though, in his hands that which could save him. I want to end, I want to look at this. John chapter 13, verse 30. And as soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. Let me help you with this. You're, they're, they're at the table, this, 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 this Passover meal. Uh, it's the, what we would call the Last Supper, that classic picture of Jesus in the middle and all the disciples around. And Jesus is, they're eating the bread and he's about to say, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. Every time you do this and you eat of this bread, do this in remembrance of me. And then he's going to go to the cup. This cup symbolizes my blood, which is shed for you. And every time you drink of this cup, remember this covenant, remember that I've saved you from your sins. 
and taking them away. Do this in remembrance of me. Before he goes to the communion part, as we would call it, of the bread and the cup, Judas has the bread in his hand. What does the bread symbolize? The body of Christ, who Jesus is. The cup symbolizes the blood, which forgives us of our sins. Judas takes the bread, the body, the physical representation, the physical testimony. I know Jesus is right there in the room, but that's what that bread symbolizes. And he takes it, but never, he never partakes of it. He leaves. He leaves and he goes into the night. There's a bit of a metaphorical picture here. He leaves the light of Jesus and the community and the life that's around the table. With having the bread, the body of Christ in his hand to choose, are you going to accept or reject? He leaves it and he goes into the darkness. And there he commits his sin. He, if he would have accepted the body of Christ in that moment, if he would have said no I, and, and would have stayed there and would have, and would have said, no, I'm, I'm not going to do that and confess his sin, he, he, he would have been saved. But he rejected the body and therefore he rejected Jesus. So what keeps you and I? Grace, unmerited, undeserved favor of God. When you and I were yet sinners, that's when Jesus died for us. When we were dead in our transgressions, he died for us. And even when we accept him and we ask him into our heart and into our life and we fail and we fall short of the glory of God, that we sin against him, we live out a life or we have actions that are diametrically opposed to his word. If we call on the name of the Lord, we will be saved. His grace is what separates us. We're all like Judas. God has called all of us. God's calling you today. Whether you're watching online, whether you're at one of the campuses, God is calling you. But the truth of the matter is, it's your choice. Accept or reject. Even if we've betrayed Jesus, we like, Je we like Judas are never rejected by Jesus. I want you to notice that. Jesus never rejects Judas. Judas rejects Jesus. Even when we fall short, Jesus is still standing there with open arms. Grace, grace, grace. So today, what will you do with Jesus? You've got the bread in your hand. Are you going to reject him? Are you going to accept him? Don't beat up on Judas. Judas symbolizes what we all have been or can be. But by the grace of God, go we. I want to read this and then we're going to go right into a, just a time of reflection where we reflect on our own hearts and our own souls. John eleven twenty five and 26, Jesus says this. This is the question, do you believe this or do you not believe this? For I am the resurrection and the life. And the one who believes in me will live even though they die, whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this?